Hello, welcome to the Lean of Plants podcast. My name is Chelsea, and if you are struggling to lose weight on a plant-based diet, then this podcast is for you. While there are thousands of books, podcasts, and resources about the benefits of a plant-based diet, the reality is that being vegan does not guarantee losing weight. If you are feeling frustrated and confused about where to start, or you know exactly what you should be doing, but you just can't seem to rustle up enough willpower to do it, then keep listening. In this podcast, you'll learn the truth about plant-based weight loss, but just as importantly, how to use proven methods of behavioral change to turn what you know into lifelong habits that lead to getting and staying lean. Can't wait to get started. Let's do this. Hello and welcome to the Lean of Plants podcast. It's been a while since I've put out an episode over the past six weeks. I have been traveling in America, combination of business and learning a ton of stuff, meeting a ton of people and a little bit of pleasure mixed in there as well. And I am so flippin' excited to impart to you a ton of the things that I learned over there from the people that I met what I learned about behavioral change and like understanding like how humans work, what I learned from being around a a ton of super successful people and just really, really fascinating insights. I, I love that travel can give us such amazing insights and I've got so many ideas that I really want to bring to you that I know you're going to find valuable and life changing. But before we do that, I wanted to finish off last week's episode last episode, it was not last week, last episode I did, which was the character traits of successful people and dieters. We talked about the first six because there's 12 traits that my team and I have identified over the past couple of years that we've been working with clients and seeing like, what are these, what are the hallmarks of successful people? I want to go over the last six of these. So we're going to go over, we're going to get straight into it. Let's do it. All right. Recap on last week. If you have not listened to the previous episode, please go back and listen to that first. We talked about the first one being a victor as opposed to a victim. Really, really easy example of this. I was talking to a couple of people recently and I realized that one of these people was making like all of these, one of these persons, people, someone I was talking to was making a ton of excuses as to why they couldn't get something done, why they couldn't achieve something. I talked to someone else and they had so many creative ideas of ways that they could overcome an almost insurmountable circumstance, right? And so I was like, that is a victor. A victor looks for opportunities. A victor sees open doors. And if they don't see an open door, they will knock down a closed one. A victor is there to save themselves and there to save and help other people, a victim is waiting to be saved from someone else. Spoiler alert, victors get to the prize, they get the goal, they get the girl, all of that good stuff. So that's character trait number one. I think everything else kind of stems from that. The second one we looked at was optimism, someone who celebrates wins and progress, because then they are reminding themselves consistently of their ability to make more. They are being motivated as opposed to demotivated, uh, in what they are capable of. 
The third one was being data-driven rather than emotionally driven, being able to take a bird's eye view, not see the day-to-day disappointments or when the scales go up as an indication that they're failing and just look at them in, in a much more logical way. The third one is to see things how they are, not how they think they should be. This is really about understanding that we are the accumulation of our decisions, our circumstances, all of these different things, and we have to work with what we have. We might love it if we were younger and fitter and didn't have a job working 70 hours a week or two kids or whatever else it is. We've got the situations that we have. We need to work with those rather than saying, oh, it would be easier for me if I was XYZ, which plays into that victim, not victim mindset. Second to last one. So the fifth one was do not compare, put blinkers on and stay in your own lane. What someone else is doing, unless you can take nuggets and use them in your own life to propel you forward is totally irrelevant. Number six was to bounce back fast and to fail fast. Essentially, this is taking action quickly and it's being okay with a bit of failure as long as you are learning from that. So that you are able to put things in place to not make the same mistakes again. Again, it's this whole idea if you continue to make the same mistakes over and over again, that's an indication of really stupidity. But if you do them once and then you learn from them and you, you change your system so that they don't happen, then that's actually a really valuable experience. And the faster that we bounce back from those things, the more we can put things in place to actually learn. So we do need to be able to bounce back fast rather than see failure as an obstacle to success. It's just a necessary part of it. So the seventh character trait that I want to talk about is to keep things simple and easy. And I've seen this so much with our clients. The people that prioritize simplicity really get better results because we are very, very hardwired to choose the path of least resistance. So when we're looking at how we create our systems, if they are complicated, if they feel like they take a ton of effort and they require a lot of sacrifice, then it's very unlikely that we're going to succeed and continue to do them unless we have massive amounts of external accountability or some kind of system change that forces that upon us. Really getting back to this idea that we don't change Our systems change us. Our environment changes us. We're not just going to change by suddenly saying, oh, I need to be less lazy. Oh, I need to just prep. No one changes because they go, oh, I need to prep. We have to put something in place that then forces that to become a reality. So the simpler, the easier that is, the more likely we follow through. And one of the things that stood out a lot in this is, A lot of people come to our program or they're they're trying to make changes in their life, but they're they're choosing to keep an entire level of complexity, which actually hinders consistency. And this is where you've got to get very clear and be data-driven, which we talked about in the last episode, about what is actually helping you to become successful and what your priority is. Because if your priority is to get consistent and to lose weight and to build healthy habits, then you may need to sacrifice some complexity in terms of your meals, in terms of variety, in terms of how many decisions you have to make with your prep in order to keep things simple enough that you actually follow through. I was spending time with our head coach in the program, uh, Keisha, 
and she's she's absolutely phenomenal I've done a podcast episode with her which I'm going to link in the description at the time of that episode she'd lost 50 pounds inside of lean of plants she's now gone on to lose more than 75 pounds and I was sleeping on her couch a couple of weeks ago and was able to observe how simple her system is she's literally putting on potatoes to steam in her instant pot or she's cooking up oats in her instant pot or she's cooking brown rice and then she makes component bowls from those three three things I didn't see much else to be honest there's store-bought hummus there was Keisha I'm sorry if I got some of this wrong I'm pretty sure she met she has store-bought hummus she has store-bought condiments she is using like pre-prepared broccoli that is already cut up or frozen she's got a whole lot of things like snap peas baby carrots fruit that is all ready to go because then she can just make a very very easy component component bowl and it actually was it was really fascinating for me to see the contrast in and how I cook partly because produce is not very easy to get in New Zealand especially during winter but my cooking systems are a whole lot more complicated than that and I do find it more difficult to stay consistent whereas with that very very simple system it's extremely easy because all you need to do is get things out of the fridge possibly warm them up in the microwave and then actually throw them together and they're ready and I, I remember listening in on a client call that she did with one of our amazing Land of Plants clients who was saying they really wanted to have a lot more variety and they liked cooking foods and like they're a bit of a foodie, but they were struggling with consistency. And Keisha basically just said to them, hey, like that, that's fine. That's totally fine. But at this point, which of those options, you cooking something different and having a ton of variety or keeping things simple is getting you to the goal that you want more? Like, what is the goal that you actually want? Which is, I guess, another character trait, is deciding what that actually is. I think that's less important, honestly, because our habits can then change that over time. I don't think we have to have, like, these big and meaningful discussions with ourselves about what we actually want. If you want to lose weight, you want to lose weight. Keep things simple in order to do that, and you're going to find it so much easier to follow through. The eighth thing, I was going to say second, but the eighth eighth thing is to understand the power of tiny habits and really, really apply that. Tiny habits are the first little step of an action that we need to take in order to form a habit or they are something that is so small that it's almost impossible for us to not follow through on it. And so what this is all about is almost tricking our brain to take action because action is the only thing that gets us results and then to consistently do it enough to create a repetition and create routine in order for that to become habit because habit is just something that we do when we have either some kind of external stimuli or we've got a time like a trigger it's a way of operating and doing things that we do consistently that is not dependent on motivation So something really tiny or a habit that we've all got is we brush our teeth, we uh, put our seatbelt on, uh, most of us eat breakfast or dinner, we've got routines around those things, we get dressed in the morning, some people have developed habits of going and working out consistently. All of these things are amazing, but they start with little tiny steps. So when it comes to something like working out, for example, 
a tiny first step of this or a tiny habit could be simply putting out your workout gear at night to make it more likely for you to get into that workout gear in the morning and actually go to the gym. Because there's an an entire sequence of events and actions that need to happen for you to go to the gym and work out. There's not just one thing. It's not just a, a decision of I will go to the gym. There's a sequence of events. So when we can identify what a tiny first step would be or something small that moves us in that direction, and then we prioritize creating habits around that thing, we can always build and layer on it later, but it's very, very hard to build on something that doesn't exist. And where most people fail when they try to create habits, especially if they don't have external accountability or some kind of external system, which allows them to create change a whole lot faster because their their system has changed, which then forces them to change, is they make things very, very difficult and they try and do the entire end result without creating a pattern or a routine around the first little steps. And then what you get is this all-in or all-out behavior where you're either 100%, you're going to the gym five days a week, you're crashing it, or you're not even getting out of bed when your alarm goes off and going for a walk. And so that occurs because there hasn't been a prioritization of something small that is going to stay consistent even when you lose motivation. So the difference between habits and then doing something because you're motivated or because you've got a some kind of external force that is driving you to that is just time and consistency. And when things are difficult, it's very hard for us to have the prolonged motivation unless we've got prolonged external accountability. Again, I'm coming back to that or external system change, something like joining the army, for example, right? You're going to continue doing those things because you've got that pressure and you've got that external force that is forcing change. But if someone's not in the army and they don't have a drill sergeant saying, get up, make your bed at 5 a.m., let's go for a five-mile run, the likelihood that someone just one day wakes up and decides that they're going to do that for the rest of their life or the next year is extremely unlikely but if we can instead make something tiny that we go hey I'm going to layer on this and we can we can come under the radar of needing motivation then we can affect change very fast and very effectively so some some practical examples of what this can look like is something like rolling out your yoga mat when if you wanted to create a yoga practice simply rolling out the mat because it's a first tiny step that's going to be required if you want to create a yoga practice and then regardless of whether you've got time or motivation that habit still remains you prioritize and you commit to something small another one could be doing one press up or one pull up attached to a certain event like washing your hands or going to the bathroom or before you drink your cup of coffee. I was talking to one of our clients the other day and we were talking about the fact that if this person wanted to eat vegetables consistently, even on their worst days, because they were they were doing the things, and they were eating veggies really well, they were prioritizing the prep when things were going amazing. But then when life was getting difficult, they were finding that that prep system was 
dropping off and they weren't eating as many vegetables. So I challenged them. I was like, hey, so what's that first tiny step that is required in order for you to actually eat your vegetables? It's prep them. So if you were to just cultivate that habit of having your vegetables prepared, how much more likely are you going to eat it? Even if you don't commit to eating those vegetables, you just commit to preparing them. So we we thought about some consistency in terms of her life. And one of the things that she did consistently was make a cup of coffee in the morning. So what she decided to do was put a post-it note, which was literally just prep veggies. And it's a habit that when you do it right, can only it only has to take two minutes. And so between when her kettle was going to boil for her coffee that she was making and when she was actually going to pour and make the coffee, her goal was to get out a few vegetables, put them in a container and put them in the fridge ready for the day so that that was ready to go. And the biggest obstacle here that I've seen with people is that they really don't appreciate or believe in the power of tiny habits and if that feels like you if you feel like it's too small to just put your shoes on rather than committing to going for a walk because that's how small it has to be think in terms of two minutes or less sometimes we've got to make them even smaller sometimes our tiny habits need to be one minute like washing one dish if you want to become a tiny person wash one dish when you bring your dishes out right? Or when you bring your millions of cups of old coffee and old tea and water from your desk or your bedside, wherever, and then you put them in the sink, not speaking from experience. Wash one of them, right? That's the first teeny tiny step. What I've seen is the people that embrace this and practice it, regardless of whether they think it's going to work, they see the power of it and it changes their lives. The people that go, no, I'm just going to continue to be all in, all out. I'm going to go, I'm going to go flipping hard. I'm going to be 100%. I'm going to do all the things and it drops off to nothing. They stay in that cycle. So my challenge is choose tiny steps and if you are going to go big or go home, don't go home. Go big and then go tiny step. The ninth one is to seek accountability and to not be an island. This is something I have become increasingly convinced of over the past year as I've invested in my own accountability and I've seen that the people who get the best results, not just in weight loss, but in life and business and all of these different avenues, they have coaches and mentors and they have accountability. And part of the reason why this is so powerful is that there is a lot of opportunity cost and having to have the trial and error of working something out on your own and you've probably heard me say in the podcast before if you're a regular listener fail fast I literally have it on my wall I can reach out and touch it right now this is something I believe in so strongly that we have to take action quickly in order to learn but if we're constantly doing this If we're constantly failing and failing and failing, as opposed from learning from other people's failures, it can take us a lifetime to get to the right result. And so there's a whole lot of opportunity cost involved in not knowing the right steps to take. That's that's one of the first things involved with this. And so 
part of the way that successful people bridge the gap and become extremely successful and learn so much so fast is they get around people who have that accumulated knowledge either because they've done it themselves or they've learned from people who've also made those mistakes and they've, they've leapt far above others so that they can mitigate some of that opportunity cost and some of that time that is needed to try every single avenue. This is the biggest benefit I see in having a coach when it comes to learning from someone else is that you're not just learning from your own mistakes. It's not just trial and error. You have proven data to see what actually works so that you don't have to make those same mistakes. And you're still going to make some, like that's the thing. But you're learning from someone who has already worked that path, especially if you were learning from people or you're in an environment where that is proven data. I'm not just talking about an anecdote where one person's like, hey, I did this and it worked for me. But I'm talking about statistical relevance where you have large volumes of people that have been through similar stimuli and they've had similar results. People that are using frameworks that consistently work. This is something that we're so passionate about inside of Lean With Plants is being data-driven. Because if we can look and collate at all the data that we have from the hundreds of people that have been through the program, the hundreds of people that I have personally done calls with in our team, like we're talking about hundreds and hundreds. I'm, I'm going to guess like over a thousand calls. Definitely over a thousand calls that myself and my team have done with people. Like in reality, we're doing hundreds of calls, or at least over a hundred calls every single month with clients. So there's so much data here to be able to see what works and what doesn't. And we've modified and changed these frameworks in order to create something that we know does work. It's not just my own experience. Like I've lost 40 pounds. That's amazing, Right. But there's so much that we have now that we've been able to see this works because of the people that we've worked with. And this is part of the reason that this podcast, in my opinion, and probably yours if you're here as a regular listener as well, has improved so much. And that when people hear a lot of the words, they really resonate with it and they think, hey, like I'm, you're talking to me. And I was like, yeah, I am. Because I just had this conversation with you like a couple of days ago. Or I'm thinking of a specific person because there's patterns and there's things that we're seeing. And so I've started to invest so much in coaching over the past year and getting around people that I can learn from because that is something that never depreciates. It is something that never is going to lose value, even if it's just a step in the right direction. It doesn't have to be, I don't have to be converted. Like I don't have to go and be like, this is my new religion. Like every single thing that I've heard from this person is the be all and end all. They're like my Messiah, like they fixed all my problems. It's not like that. It's just a step. It's just the next lily pad in the evolution of me or whoever else is on that journey and so any time that you can take a colossal leap and learn from someone else rather than being an island you have invested like you've just you've given yourself the gift of not having to 
do everything yourself. So that's the first part of accountability. The second part of accountability is really having that person or having that environment that does force change on you. And you've heard me mention that unless we have some kind of external change or some kind of external force, I use the military as an example, then it's very hard for us to consistently affect change because we lose motivation. But when you have someone else and you've invested in that or you've got some kind of pressure where you need to stay consistent, you need to do the thing because there's a cost involved. It doesn't have to be a monetary cost. Monetary cost is very, very powerful for most of us because most of us really value money because we need it to live and survive and it's a limited resource for most people, self-included. But it could be something like a social cost involved with that. If you can have more than just one cost, that's absolutely amazing. That's going to up the ante even more. But it, it forces change upon you because it becomes very, very difficult for you to just give up on yourself. You're no longer bottlenecked by your own motivation because someone else or a group or an environment or a system is also motivated to have you change and so you're no long you're spreading your risk factor essentially where you're going it's not just on me anymore I can have other people that come alongside me and lift me up when I don't want to because if we know anything from our history then we know that we lose motivation and wherever you are right now I want you to put one or two hands up depending on how much you agree with this and just say amen if you know that you lose motivation like that is not an indication that you're a failure it does not mean that you are weak it does not mean you are lazy it does not mean you don't want to achieve your goals it means you are human or as my friend Beth would say from New York and a human you're a human being (laughs) So if you're a human being, then you most likely need external push, external force, motivation, momentum, accountability to really change, especially if you want to change fast and you want to change effectively. Being an island also sucks. It's lonely out there on your own. If you do not have help, if you do not have someone who can lift up your arms when you're tired. And there's a story in the Bible that I love, and it's uh, it's a story of Moses. And so there's this there's this battle that's raging, and and God basically says to Moses, "Lift up your hands, and while your hands are up, your people will be winning. They're winning the battle." But the thing is, is like lifting up your hands for quite a long time gets really tiring. And so he had two people stand either side of him because he would his hands would start to slip. And then the people, the Israelites, were losing the battle. So the people either side of him would hold his hands up for him. And that's what happens when you have people in your corner who are supporting you, that are there to help you succeed, even when you feel like you can't lift up your hands anymore. So it's hugely powerful. And the, the thing that I wanted to really point out with this is you can do it on your own. It is most likely going to be slow and it is most likely going to be difficult, and not everyone can do it on on their own. And what I wanted to do with this episode and the, the previous episode is show you the character traits of people who are guaranteed to succeed. If you want to guarantee your success, 
cultivate these mindsets and these actions, these 12 things that I'm talking about today, seeking accountability is one of them. The ninth thing is to cultivate patience. It's such a dirty word. I know we hate this word patience, but we have to be able to see things on a longer timeline, which is the 10th thing that I wanted to talk about. I think it's actually the 11th. I'm kind of losing track of these. We have to be able to understand that anything that we want is going to take us much longer than we actually would like. Anything worth doing is going to take significant time to actually create. And one of the questions I've been asking people recently is if I could wave a magic wand and I could give you the body of your dreams, you've got abs, you're rocking a bikini, you are doing absolutely amazing. Would you have the habits in place to actually maintain it? I think I might have even asked this the last episode. It's been a while. And most people would say no, right? And the thing is, is it just takes significant time to, in order to create those habits and to create that confidence in yourself that that is possible. And most people get very fixated on short-term results. They're looking at things in terms of weeks and months as opposed to years. But when we really want to step back and look at what we want long term, most likely you want to lose the weight and then keep it off. Most likely if you are starting a fitness habit, you want to be working out consistently and have that habit for the rest of your life. If you are starting running, most likely you don't want to just do a half marathon once and then never exercise again. And so we look at things on a very short timeline, but when we shift our focus up a bit and we can look at the horizon metaphorically, we're able to achieve so much more because we're, we're not sh- sacrificing short-term gains for our long-term goal. And when I, what I mean specifically by that is that when we're too focused on the short-term, we take shortcuts that ultimately end up being detrimental to the long term. These are things like skipping meals, making our calories really, really low so that we can lose weight faster, not being focused on progress and instead having to be 100% perfect in the short term and then going back to binging. It's trying to do a juice fast or a juice cleanse or a water fast to get there as quickly as possible, but then not having any of those systems to actually maintain it. So we've got to think about things. I want to challenge you to think about things in terms of a year at a minimum. And when you think about a year and where you want to be a year from now, I want you to ask yourself, are your current habits Are your current actions, are the people that you're spending time with, are the things that you are watching, reading, investing in, the systems that you are creating for yourself, are they in line with who you want to be a year from now? Not just six weeks from now, but a year. And if they're not, then change them. And when we think about things in that regard and we put that filter on it in terms of thinking long term, it does allow us to make better decisions. I had to get to a point with my weight loss where I I realized that I did not want to be in the same place that I was a year from now, even if I had lost a ton of weight in five weeks or six weeks or I think I was looking at it in about three months. And I remember, I distinctly remember thinking, if I was to lose all this weight, I had 40 pounds to lose. If I was to lose all of this weight in three months, only to gain it back 
and be at the same weight that I am now a year from now, that would not feel worth it to me. And I realized that if I was actually going to change the trajectory of my life, I had to diet differently. And so my encouragement, my challenge to you is really examine what you're doing on a longer timeline. Can you see yourself doing what you're doing for the rest of your life? If not, change it because it is not going to last. The final thing is to focus on fast, messy action, not perfectionism. And I heard something on my trip which has made this so much more accessible or it's given me so much more clarity about why this matters. And that is that we do not have to make right decisions. We do not have to make perfect decisions. We just have to take steps in the right direction. And fast, messy action, becoming an action taker, allows us to learn quickly. It allows us to see what works and what doesn't. And it allows us to determine what our next step is. Coming back to that lily pad analogy. And so when you're thinking about a decision that you need to make, Rather than saying, is this the right decision or is it the wrong decision, which is extremely binary. And we cannot know that without trial and error in in, in most ways. Like even when it comes to something as big as like, should I have kids or not? Who am I going to marry? Like in most instances, you can't really know what quote unquote right is. You just make a decision and then you live with the consequences of that or you change it later on right? Like you, you just make a decision, you get the information that you need. But when we're thinking about this, part of the reason that it becomes so difficult to make decisions is that we, we're constantly asking ourselves, is it right or is it wrong? Rather than asking ourselves and and putting that barrier to decision making so much lower and saying, hey, does this actually lead me in the right direction? If I was to make this decision, Do I think it gets me closer to where I need to be or does it get me further away? And this kind of idea has helped me to make decisions so much easier and become someone who is is very decisive in my life because I'm, I'm not looking for things to be perfect. And so I've I've invested in things that have ended up being like incredibly like they've taken a lot from me mentally, physically, emotionally financially and I was able to make those decisions and learn really quickly because I I was able to say hey if I do make this decision it's going to help me at least rule it out so that I can get on to the next decision quicker so I'm less worried about it being right and what I've seen is that people who make decisions decisively people who take action they actually get far far better results because they're able to learn a whole lot quicker And indecision is a choice. I keep coming back to that as well. Like choosing not to do something is choosing to stay the same. And it's kind of the definition of stupidity. If you are doing the same thing and you're expecting a different result, then that's the definition of stupidity. So the best thing that you can do in that instance is just make a decision that moves you somewhere because momentum is so much better than staying still. Like momentum is better in some way than just being motionless. Like even if it's the wrong way, because you can course correct. But if you're just staying still and you're stagnant and you're not moving, then how do you even know that what you have not tried, it wasn't the thing that is going to help you get to that next level? Or if you were to do it and you were to 
realize really quick, hey, that didn't help me, you'd move on to the next thing. Whereas if you don't make decisions and you need things to be perfect before you actually say yes or no, then most likely you're going to stay where you are. And so this is something I've seen time and time again. And I was at a conference uh, over the last couple of weeks. I, I went to a three-day conference and I was able to observe very quickly and I think this is the, there was so much in this conference about how to it, it was all for uh, like gym owners and people in the fitness space in order to get better results for their clients essentially that's what the conference was about because that's what I geek out about that's why I'm here and I learned a ton from the speakers it was incredibly impactful I think I learned more from talking to people and what I realized was that there is action takers and there is excuse makers and there is some kind of spectrum between that And the people who are extremely successful take action. They do not make excuses. They do not say, oh, it's hard. Oh, yeah, I know I need to do that. Oh, I need to, I know I need to delegate that thing. Oh, I need to hire that person. Oh, I need to work on this thing in my my business or my program. Oh, yeah, I need to do this. They don't say that. They're like, yeah, I've, I've done it or I'm doing it. They take action. And I believe that if you are an action taker, because Victors are action takers. Victors move. They don't stay stuck. If you do this, even if you get everything wrong along the way, you will be further ahead than the person that is waiting to make the right decision and the perfect decision because you will have learned a whole lot faster. You will have learned to bounce back. You will be data-driven because you will have data. You will be optimistic because you have to be optimistic if you're going to go from failure to failure to failure and keep on trying. You're going to understand and cultivate patience because you've seen that it it takes a lot of trial and error. This is where you have accountability and you have someone actually helping you who's done that before. But if you can just cultivate being an action taker rather than being passive in your life, I believe that you will be successful because I've seen this. And I'm just remembering something that I observed when I I used to play paintball. My husband's very into paintball, or he was before he was in a wheelchair. And we used to go and play paintball occasionally. And I would see the people that would always get the flags and take it to... The people who would basically win the game for their team were action takers. Because in paintball, you have to make a decision when you're going to run for it. And most of the time, there is... Someone who's trailing a paintball gun on you, there is some kind of risk involved. And if you just st- if you just stay there, if you just stay still, you're going to get taken out. You're not going to win the game. You have to actually move. You have to take action. And I remember observing this. This is years ago. It's probably 15 years ago. That the only way to win the game is to be an action taker in spite of the risks. And that's scary. That's hard to do. But we can all become action takers. So that's what I want to leave you with is become an action taker. And if any of this has resonated with you, I want to invite you to take action on a step to lead you in a direction that's going to help you to learn and book a call with us. Book a free consult call. There's no obligation on that to to just see how we can help you on your weight loss journey, whether that is with more accountability, direction, or all of these things that we've talked about, becoming a victim, not a victim, being data-driven, and to be able to actually create a system that is going to consistently get you losing weight and improving and creating these habits so that you can actually 
get to that weight loss goal that you have, which is going to transform your life. If you're interested in that, I'm going to put the uh, description or not the description. I'm going to put the details into the description of this podcast. And if you are an action taker, then go ahead. Um, If not, maybe don't. Okay. (laughs) We want to work with action takers. All right. So I'm going to leave that there. I hope that this has been helpful and valuable to you. Please listen to these episodes back to back if you haven't before. I would love to hear from you. You can send me a DM. You can write to us uh, via email. Uh, You can put it in a comment. What is something that you are going to take action on out of all these six things that I've talked about today or the six that I talked about in the previous episode? What is one thing that you are committing to take action on and what are you going to do about it? I'd love to hear that because I want this to go into your ears and then come out in your actions. There is no point listening to a podcast and getting fired up and putting your arms in the air and saying amen if you do not take action. And I know that you can become an action taker if you are not already. Most likely you are if you're listening to this podcast because you're my kind of person. My kind of people are action takers. (laughs) And I want you to go and do something. Whether that is small or big, go and do something. And I would love to hear what that is. Actually, the best way of thinking about it is just tag me on Instagram. Like put it in a story and tag me. Put some social proof out there and I will repost you because I will be flipping excited to see that. If you'd like this episode as well, please consider hopping on Apple Podcasts and leaving me a review. It really helps to get this out to more people. I know that this podcast changes lives because I see that in the reviews that come through every week. Um, And you just help more people by doing that. I keep this an ad-free space in order to make that possible. Uh, So please, please help me out in getting this message out to more people. And I am going to do a podcast episode next week. (laughs) I'm committing to that. This is the social proof. Uh, If I do not, I'm going to give myself a commitment device. If you do not have a podcast episode released next week and you email me or you message me on Instagram and say, hey, there's no podcast out on a Monday, I will Venmo you or PayPal you a hundred bucks. I'm putting that out there as a commitment device for myself because I love accountability as well. Um, I'm going to get this out there. All right. Have a great one. Go take action and I will see you next week. Bye.